Yes, so once again we, uh, we come to you in the name of, of the Lord. Our wonderful Lord, who gives us richly all things to enjoy, as the scripture says. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. And this morning I would like to consider a very important part of our worship. In fact, it's something that, that we do once or twice every Sunday morning, as well as at some other services and gatherings. And you would think that, that something this important that we do so often uh, would be taught and preached about somewhat regularly. However, in the four years that I have been keeping record of the messages here at Ebenezer, I'm not aware that there's been a message preached on, on this subject. And that is the subject of cheerful giving. Cheerful giving. Now, I do realize that, that Brother Dan Freed was here uh, one Sunday evening here several years ago and spoke a few thoughts about uh, giving. giving. But as, as far as uh, a message, and perhaps I missed one, I am prone to do that, uh, so that it's perhaps, but I didn't find it. Cheerful giving. I'd like you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll be, we'll be looking at some verses in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 as well as a number of other verses in the Bible as it relates to our giving. As a theme verse for this morning, we'll look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. For God loveth a cheerful giver. And so here's two questions that we can uh, run through our minds throughout this message this morning. First is, uh, what kind of giver am I? What kind of giver am I? And the second question is, how can I become a more cheerful giver? How can I become a more cheerful giver? You know, this concept of, of generous and cheerful giving is one that generally sounds pretty good to us, <laughs> especially when we're on the receiving end, right? We like, we like that sound of, of generous and cheerful giving. Or as long as it's just a concept, <laughs> or as long as it's just talk, or as long as it doesn't apply directly to us, but unfortunately, too often, when we come to grips with the idea that we might really have to give up something, <laughs> we change a little bit. Uh, our, our fists tighten up a little bit, maybe you could say. And I'm reminded of the pastor who was talking to his, his farmer friend one day. And, and the pastor said, now... If you had 100 horses, would you give me 50 of them? And the, and the farmer said, yeah, yeah, I would, I would do that for you. And he said, okay. He said, if, if you had 100 cows, would you give me 50 of them? Yes, yeah, I, I would do that. I, I would do that for you. Okay, the pastor said, well, if, if you had two pigs, would you give me one? He said, now cut it out, pastor. You know I have two pigs. <laughs> 
And you see, that's, that's often how it is for us. As long as it's just something that, that's out there, we think it's a great idea. If it, if it doesn't affect us directly, you know, we think that sounds good. But, but sometimes we can change our tune a little bit when we know that, oh no, I might have to give up something in this whole deal. Well, it's my desire this morning uh, to challenge each of us to a life of, of generous and cheerful giving. And although this has a lot to do with our money, it certainly doesn't stop with our money. But it also has a lot to do with our time. It has a lot to do with our energy, our, our efforts. You see, certainly those three things are, are close to connected. Our money, our time, our efforts. Uh, they're close to connected. Uh, they're, they're all outward expressions of what's on the inside. They're outward expressions of what is on the inside. And so as we look at this message this morning, uh, we're going to look at, at three different things here. First of all, examples of giving, and then we're going to note uh, some encouragements for giving, and then lastly, the effects of giving. So let's note here uh, two examples of generous and sacrificial giving uh, that we find in the first part of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Well, we'll look at the first five verses here. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God, or in other words, we want you to know about the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And so the first example we have here of, of generous and sacrificial giving is these Macedonian believers. And we note that they first of all were surrendered to the will of God. There in verse 5, but first gave their own selves to the will of the Lord, or to the Lord. They were first surrendered to God. And truly, as we note their circumstances, truly, their trust was in God. It wasn't in their circumstances. And note, note the circumstances that they were going through. There in verse 2. A great trial of affliction that they were going through. Also, they were living in extreme poverty. But yet, their testimony was one of overflowing joy. Through this time of, of extreme trial, of deep poverty, yet they had a testimony of overflowing joy. A rather unlikely combination, we would say, at least from a human perspective. And it goes without saying that, that a response such as this is not natural. It's not natural for us. Instead, it indicates that they were completely surrendered to the will of God. They were completely surrendered to what God's plan was for them. They had a meaningful relationship with God that brought a warmth to their heart, 
that brought a smile to their faces. Something that, that no amount of money could ever buy for them. And then we note that they sacrificially shared their wealth. <laughs> the wealth they had, they shared that with the saints. Now truly, in, in, in a human perspective, we would say, well, they didn't have much wealth. I mean, they were living in, in extreme poverty, yet they had something. They had something. And so they were made aware of a need, and in spite of that severe condition, they gave generously. And in fact, the Apostle Paul says that they gave even more than they were really able to give. <laughs> they gave even more than that. They gave much more than what was expected. And you could say they gave till it hurt. That's how much they gave. Uh, here was a group of people that had very little to start with. But yet, they wanted to give. And it appears in verse 4 that there were those who thought they should be exempt from giving. Because, because the Macedonian believers, it's like they were begging to give. Please, please, we want to give. Don't hold us back. It's like that would be robbing them of the joy they had. Let us give. We want to give. They begged to give. What a powerful example of generous and sacrificial and cheerful giving. And I just have to ask myself, you know, how could they do this? How could they do this when their need was so great? When they knew what they needed and they had families, they had little children uh, that needed this and needed that. And yet how could they do this? Well, let me suggest that the Macedonian believers had a proper perspective of the physical things that they had. They had a proper perspective of the physical things they had. What they had was not theirs. It was God's. That was their understanding. God had, had given them what they had. It was His. He entrusted it to them. And so in faith, uh, they were putting to practice what the songwriter wrote then many years later, and we sing this from time to time, We give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. Uh, that was their attitude, the Macedonian believers. What we have, God, is really yours. It's not ours. Therefore, it was easier to let it go with that perspective. You know, when we come, when it comes to the things that we have, I fear that we often forget this truth. That it's not really mine. It's, it's the Lord's. He's, he's granted it to me. But yet our attitude oftentimes is, you know, I worked for that. <laughs> I've been saving up my money for that. I mean, that, that's mine. I bought that. And, and we have that personal attachment to the things that we had. And too often times, perhaps, our attitude is like the, the, that of the little girl. who Her father gave her $2. And he said, now, you can do anything you want with the $1. But the other dollar you need to put in the offering next Sunday at church. Give that to the Lord. 
Okay, if she nodded in agreement, we can do that. And uh, so then she said, well, I'd like to go down to the candy store. And so, yeah, that's okay. So she went skipping down, down the lane to the candy store. And she was just thinking about everything she could get for that dollar, you know, at the candy store. Well, here on the way down to the candy store, suddenly she tripped and fell, and, and one of her dollars went out of her hand, and, and the wind blew it and blew it right down the storm drain. Oh, my, she was so dismayed, and she, she looked at her other dollar, and she looked at the storm drain, and she said, well, Lord, there goes your dollar. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's a lot of times the attitude that we have, unfortunately. That, you know, let me take care of, of my stuff first, and then, and then I'll give the rest to God. Let, let me make sure that, my, that, that I can get everything I need on my list, that I need, on, on, that's on my list, and then, and then what's left, I'll, I'll put that in the offering. I'll give that to the Lord. But we ought to really give God what's right and not what's left over. Truly, we ought to. And certainly, we don't see that attitude of, of first me and then God in the lives of the Macedonian believers. No, we don't. Uh, but their proper perspective uh, leaves a real challenge for us today that even though they didn't have much, they wanted to give. They found joy in giving. They wanted to give what they had with those around them. You see, generous giving isn't only for those who have much. Generous giving is not reserved only for those who are rich. No, God is calling all of us to generous and cheerful giving. Well, the second example we have then of, of generous and sacrificial giving is that of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that in verse 9 here of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That's an amazing verse. That's an amazing verse. It, it speaks of the incarnation of Jesus. Thinking about what he left. And, and we go back to that question, how can I become a more cheerful giver? How can I become a more cheerful giver? And I say we can learn to become a cheerful giver by studying the life of the greatest giver the world has ever known, and that's Jesus Christ. And so this verse here, verse 9, tells us three things, and more, and more than that, but we'll note three things. Uh, we see here what Jesus Christ was. He was very rich from where he came from, from the glories of heaven. He was very rich. And then we note what he became. He became very poor. Coming down to earth. Coming down to live the creator living among his creation. And then we note why he did it. 
He did it to make spiritually poor people rich. To make spiritually poor people rich. People like you and I. You know, leaving, leaving the riches, the vast riches, and the glory, and the majesty uh, that heaven has to offer. He came down to earth, and he willingly gave his life so that we could experience the unmeasurable riches of everlasting life. What a gift. What a gift. Uh, truly, we have much to learn from Jesus Christ, from the greatest giver the world has ever known. It's a sacrificial gift. We know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave. That He gave. And no, He didn't give one of His many sons. No, He gave His only son. His only son. Parents, think about that. Think about that. Put it in, put it in everyday life for you. Just, just that concept of, of giving up a child or, or an only child or an only son or daughter or, or something that is just so precious to you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why did He do that? <laughs> that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gift that is given to us. And truly, our calling as children of God is to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. It's to conform to His Son. To be more like Jesus. What better way, I say, is there for us to grow in His likeness? What better way is there for us to imitate Jesus Christ than to give selflessly like He, like he did? Than to... Hold nothing back, but, but give. Give our money, give our time, give our life, give our energy, give our breath for the cause of Christ, for His work, for Him. You know, quite simply then, we could say that our greatest motivation uh, for generous and cheerful giving should be that it pleases the Lord and that it reflects that great gift of salvation. It pleases Him and it reflects the great gift of salvation that we've received. And much, much more could be said about Jesus' example of generous and sacrificial giving, but we'll move on here. Let's now consider uh, some encouragement for giving. Some encouragement for giving uh, that we find in various places in Scripture. And we'll start, of all, we'll start first of all here at verse 7 in chapter 8 once again. Verse 7, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. This grace. What grace is it talking about? Well, it's talking about the grace of giving. And various times in this passage, the Apostle Paul uses that term, this grace. Uh, he, he mentioned there in verse 1, we would like you to know of the grace of God. And then various places down through here, we are to abound, verse 7, in this grace. 
for, uh, verse 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. This, this disposition, this manner, this, this characteristic, we are to abound in the grace of giving. And so my first encouragement here uh, that we find is grow in the grace of giving. Grow in the grace of giving. The Apostle Paul was, was telling the church here at Corinthian, at uh, Corinth, I'm sorry, that you are doing well in other things. You are striving to grow in these other spiritual gifts. He said, you also need to grow in this gift. <laughs> and it's the gift of giving. You need to grow and abound in that one as well. Don't leave that one behind, but grow in the grace of giving. In other words, he was saying that financial giving is really directly related to the other spiritual gifts. And truly, it's, it's directly related to our love and compassion for those in need. Verse 8, he says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. In other words, I want to test how real you are. I want to test how sincere you are. You see, the sincerity of our love for those around us will be manifest by our willingness to give. A true love is expressed through action. We can say that we love our brother. We can say that we love our neighbors. We can say that, but yet we don't truly know that and those that hear us don't truly know that until they see us give, until they see us act on what we just said. Turn to uh, 1 John chapter 3 as we consider that. 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. <clears throat> Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, or we could put in there only, don't love just in word or tongue only, but indeed and in truth, indeed, and in truth. I think this, it's the, uh, James. I think it's James that said that faith without works is dead. We can say we love our brother. We can say we love our sister and our neighbor. But if it is not carried out in action, it's dead. We must grow in the grace of giving. Secondly, then, an encouragement that uh, we find in Scripture is to live with an open hand. Live with an open hand. Uh, turn back to Deuteronomy for a few verses in this and see what God was teaching the people of, of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 15, starting at verse 7.
If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thine hand from thy poor brother. But thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him, and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him naught. And he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. Then shalt thou surely, no, thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thine hand unto. For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, and to thy needy in thy land. Live with an open hand. Note there what, what the Lord told them in verse 9. Don't you let that thought come into your mind that, you know what, next year is probably the year of, of Jubilee, and that's when all, the, you know, that's when all the, the debts are canceled, and he can probably hang on about that long, don't you think? <laughs> you know, because if I, give, if, I, if I give him a lot right now, and then everything's canceled, then, then I lose. You know? He said, no, don't let that thought come into your mind. But you are to give generously. Give as much as he needs. And if you don't, the Lord said, it's sin. It's sin to you. That's, that's a serious thing that I hadn't really thought about to that extent before. You know, it's not like, well, you know, I, I could give, but, you know, maybe I won't. But, you know, just kind of leave it at that. But the Lord said, that's sin to look at it that way. When there's a brother in need, when there's a neighbor in need, and you know it, and you don't help them, that's our mistake. That's our sin. Something we must take seriously. Live with an open hand. Uh, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5, 42, Give to him that asketh thee. And from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Someone has said, God has given us two hands. One to receive with and the other to give with. We are cisterns. We are not cisterns made for hoarding. We are channels made for sharing. One to receive, one to give. Channels meant for sharing. Well, another encouragement for giving uh, we find in Luke chapter 6. You can turn there, Luke chapter 6, verse 35. And that is, we ought to give without hope for return. Give without hope for return. You know, it's, it's human nature, I believe, uh, to kind of make a checklist in our mind. Okay, I, I gave him that, and, and, you know, he'll need to give that back, and I... I, he borrowed some money for me. And, you know, just kind of that, that checklist. And maybe sometimes we even make a checklist for real. And I suppose to a certain extent some of that is okay. Um, but Jesus spoke about that. Give without hope for return. Uh, Luke 6. And, and here in these verses, Jesus is speaking about loving our enemies. 
And I believe it applies to our enemies. It also applies, I believe, to our brothers and sisters and to our neighbors and, and those who we might not would refer to as our enemies. But yet the concept, I believe, holds good. And he says there in the first several verses, 32, 33, and 34, leading up to verse 35, you know, if, if you just love those that love you, if you just do good to those that do good to you, uh, if you just lend to those that lend, uh, that you know you're gonna, they're going to give back, what good is it? What credit is that to you, really? I mean, he said, sinners do that. That's not different than anyone else. You're supposed to be different. Verse 35, but love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. There's the example, once again, of the greatest giver the world has ever known, that of our Heavenly Father. He is kind unto the unthankful, and he is kind to the evil. And we ought to be the same. Do good and lend even when you realize you probably won't get it back again. Yet we're called to give to those that need, to give to those that would ask of thee. You know, having a proper perspective, once again, having a proper perspective of whose it is, I believe will go a long way in helping us to live this way. The way of, of, of lending, the way of giving without hope of return. Realizing that, you know what, this is God's. This is really not mine, it's God's. He's, he's given it to me to use. I'm to be a good steward of it. And so when we keep in mind that what we have is God's, it's much easier then to let it go. I believe that can be a help for us. Let's just shift gears a bit here and move now over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 for some more words uh, on encouragement in our giving. 2 Corinthians 9 starting at verse 5. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, having, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. And I would like you to note two different kinds of giving that we see in verses 5 through 7. I ask you again, what kind of giver are you? What kind of giver are you? And in these verses here, we have three descriptions of how not to give, and we have three descriptions of how to give. So, verse 5. Let's look at first how not to give. Verse 5. Not 
covetously. Okay? Not as of covetousness. Verse 6, not sparingly. We ought not give sparingly. Verse 7, not grudgingly or, or not reluctantly. Okay? That's how not to give. But let's see how we ought to give. Verse 5, we ought to give as a matter of bounty or as a generous gift. Verse 6, we ought to give bountifully. Verse 7, we ought to give cheerfully. Now, let's think for a moment about bad giving. In each of these descriptions here about bad giving, the essence of what's wrong is, is my desire to hold back. It's, it's, you know, there's giving there. There is giving there, but it's coming from a heart that wants to hold back, really. A heart that doesn't really want to completely give. Yeah, there's giving, but you see the attitude. Uh, take, take, for example, the word sparingly. If I would say, spare my life, what I'm saying is that let me keep it. <laughs> you know, don't take it from me. Or if I would say, uh, spare no effort, what I mean is, is hold back no effort or, or give all the effort you can. It has that idea of holding back. You know, the Apostle Paul said that God spared not his only son. And when he said that, he means that God did not hold him back. God did not keep him just for himself. But God shared his only son. He spared him not. And so to give sparingly is to give from a heart that deep inside really wants to hold back. Yes, there's giving. But the real feeling of your heart is, is that not to th it's not to think of how much you can give but it's how much you can keep. That's the idea when we think about giving sparingly. I ran across this little illustration that I thought could be helpful to us as we think about this. Uh, it's titled, For a Cure of Cirrhosis of the Giver. <laughs> Not to be confused with cirrhosis of the liver. <laughs> but <laughs> The disease cirrhosis of the giver was discovered in AD 34 by the husband-wife team of Ananias and Sapphira. And that's in Acts 5. It is an acute condition that renders the patient's hands immobile when he is called on to move them in the direction of his wallet or her purse and from thence to the offering plate. This strange malady is clinically unobservable in such surroundings as the golf club, supermarket, clothing store, or restaurant. Some try to use a fake remedy pointing out to the patients that income tax deductions can be claimed for giving. The best therapy, and that which leads to a sure and lasting cure, is to get the individual's heart right with God. This affliction is actually a symptom of a more basic need of the soul. And so then it says, uh, prescribed medication for cirrhosis of the giver. Frequent doses of Romans 12.1 and Luke 9.23, accompanied by a dash of 2 Corinthians 9.7. 
This dosage will become quite pleasant if swallowed with a heaping tablespoon of Philippians 4.19. (laughs) And that is the verse where it says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So, that's how not to give. Let's look then a bit at the positive side. Uh, In verse 6 here of 2 Corinthians 9, the descriptive word is bountifully. In the Greek, it's the same word used there in verse 5 where we read as a matter of bounty. And it literally means to give on the basis of blessing. To give on the basis of blessing. In other words, our giving should rest upon the great truth that our God is a bountifully blessing God. Our God is the greatest giver the world has ever known. And then our giving, in turn, should be a bountiful blessing to others. Verse 7 says that we should do it cheerfully. By the way, it's interesting to note that the word cheerful comes from the Greek word hilaros, which is the same Greek word that we get our word hilarious from, for whatever it's worth, you know, um, to, to give in a hilarious fashion. In other words... This is just great. You know, it's just so fun. You know, I just love this. It's, it's that concept of, of how God is saying he loves a cheerful giver, someone that just has a ball giving, you know, that, that type of a giver. And so giving bountifully means that we're giving from a heart that wants to share things. You see, something has happened in the heart so that now that basic desire to give and share as much as possible is, is, what is, is what is happening. We're not thinking about how much we can keep. Now, because of what Christ has done in our heart, we're thinking, how much can I possibly give? That's the new desire of the heart. You know, once again, I ask you, what kind of giver are you? What kind of giver are you? God loves a cheerful giver. That's the kind of giver that he's looking for. Well, we're running out of time here this morning. Um, and I have a few more things I wanted to say, but perhaps I'll, I'll save them for another time. We could talk about why, why God loves a cheerful giver. And then I was hoping to look, too, at some effects, um, some positive effects of us giving. And I think for now we'll, we'll stop and I'll, I'll carry on another Sunday as we, as we finish up some more about being a cheerful giver. I'll just make one more, one more short comment here in closing. And that is uh, the simple and yet powerful words of Jesus. And really it's the thrust of this message in a nutshell when he said, freely you have received, freely give. And I trust that can be our heart's desire as we consider the joys and blessings of giving. And as we consider how much we have been given, truly, truly, we ought to be cheerful givers in return. May the Lord bless you. We'll call for a song. 361. Uh, This tune is the same as uh, the song, Thou True Vine That Heals the Nations, uh, Tree of Life, Thy Branches We. So we'll give it a try here. Lord, thou dost love the cheerful giver.